Judges chapter number 11 tonight. Judges chapter number 11. It has been a joy to go through the book of Judges. I love going through Joshua. Joshua still is one of my favorite books of the Bible. But as I've been going through Judges, Judges becomes one of my favorite books of the Bible as I'm reading it. And whenever you're studying the Word of God, wherever you're studying typically becomes one of your favorite passages of Scripture because you get the help out of it when you're there uh, doing that. And so it's been a blessing to see what God has done in my heart. Uh, Listen, these messages that you've heard through Judges are for me. Uh, The Holy Spirit's given them for me. uh, And then I give them to you because they've helped me. And uh, so... Uh, That's usually what happens when a preacher gets up and preach. If he's preaching the right way, he's preaching what he's been studying, how God's helped him, and then he's able to help you with it as well. And so um, I think it's it's one of those things like a mechanic fixes cars because he knows how to do it. it, He's done it over and over. When the Holy Spirit's helped me, then I'm able to help other people. And so uh, it's a blessing to be able to go through the Bible and get help from it. I'm glad for the Word of God. And we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God. We're going to read one verse in Judges chapter number 11. And we are going to go down through this uh, chapter tonight. Uh, There's quite a few verses. There's uh, actually 40 verses uh, in Judges chapter number 11. Um, And we don't worry, we're not going to preach through every verse. But we are going to give you a synopsis of the situation and talk about the help that we can gain from it. And uh, Judges chapter number 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat Jephthah. I got to reading that, and I thought about, here is a situation. We're going to introduce to you a man named Jephthah, that right up front in the first verse, we see the mountaintop experience. He's a man of valor, but we also see a valley. He was the the son of a harlot. And you think, wow, how could God use somebody like this to do something? We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. We're going to talk about this uh, Jephthah and his life and what happened to him uh, in his life and how he didn't grovel in the circumstance. He made the circumstance better through following the Lord. And so we're going to preach to you tonight on conquering your circumstance. Conquering your circumstance. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth of it. Lord, we ask you please to help us in a special way tonight. Use me as your mouthpiece this evening, Lord. Do what only you can do. Hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you use this message tonight to speak to hearts. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. We see the mountaintop experience and the the valley experience in the life, life of Jephthah. I'm going to read some of these verses to you. Uh, it said, uh, verse 2 that now says, And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there gathered with him vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me, and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come now unto me, or why are ye come unto me now when ye are in distresses? 
And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said, and the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. It says, And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou uh, art come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they came out of Egypt from Aaron even unto Jebuk and unto Jordan. And now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab nor the land of the children of Ammon. But when Israel rose up from Egypt, or when Israel came up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. And the king of Eden would, Edom would not hearken uh, thereunto. And in like manner they sent unto the king out. Uh, uh, they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent. And Israel abode in Kadesh. Then they went along through the wilderness and compassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab and pitched on the other side of Arnon but came not with, within the borders of Moab for Aaron was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers unto uh, uh, Sion, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon, and Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my place. But Sion trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sion gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sion and all the people into the hand of Israel and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites and the inhabitants of that country. Here we see Jephthah who was, we, saw, we talked about his mountaintop experience and said he was a mighty man of valor. But then it says that he was born of an harlot and he was kicked out of his family as his uh, brothers grew. And uh, they, they were uh, telling him that he wasn't able to be there. His, listen, his valor, his might, his courage uh, would help mold, was molded by God to help him accomplish great victories. He didn't allow his past circumstances to stop him from going forward for God. He could have blamed God for the situation. He could have blamed God for uh, what happened to him and being an outcast of his family. But in, in so doing, as he was cast out, he learned to trust in God. He learned to trust in the Lord all by himself. His painful past would act as something, as a catalyst to spring him forward into service for the Lord. It's oftentimes in our life we allow our past to be a hindrance, not a catalyst. It, it's a hindrance and, and it makes us blame the circumstance. It makes us bitter. But rather than uh, him getting bitter, it drew him closer to the Lord and trusting in what the Lord wanted him to do. What was his past? We talked about his mother was a prostitute. 
He was an illegitimate son unwanted by his family. He grew up with scars from his parents' sin. He had to deal with being an outcast of his brothers and all those things because of all the things that his parents decided to do. He paid the price and as the years passed and tensions increased with Jephthah and his stepfamily between his brothers and all those, they said, get out of here. You're not going to be part of my father's inheritance. You're not going to get any of this because you're the son of a strange woman. And they ran him out of town. So here he is, it seems, all alone. Here's Jephthah all by himself now in Tob, and it seems like while he's here, you, you would say, well, why did this happen to him? Why did he get put in this situation? Listen, oftentimes we don't understand why we get put in situations, but we have to understand the situations there for us to learn how to grow close to God. And as I was thinking about this circumstance that Jephthah was going through and how he was despised and rejected from his family and uh, all of those things, he had grief in his heart. I'm sure he felt alone all except by one. If you read through the entire book of Judges, in Judges chapter number 11, the word Lord or God is used more in that chapter than it is in any other chapter throughout the book of Judges. Why is that? Because Jephthah was one that wanted to make sure we understood It was all about God, all about the Lord. And in our circumstances, we need to understand that it's all about God. Here we read through this passage that Jephthah is not only a person that was rejected by his family, his life's pattern is repeated over and over again in Scripture. You think about Israel, what happened to Israel over and over. This pattern's been going on, going on, and going on. And this is the same pattern that we find. Jephthah's not alone in his circumstance. Understand, there's t- oftentimes we're wayward from God. Some, you ever been this where you got saved and it seemed like your family didn't want anything to do with you? It seemed like you were the outcast? Oh, you're of a different family now, aren't you? And you become that outcast and set aside and it seems like nobody wants you to be around. But his brothers didn't realize that they were rejecting their future judge. They didn't realize that they were rejecting the one that was going to help save them from their enemies. I was reminded of the story of of Joseph in the coat of many colors. Joseph uh, wasn't an outcast of his parents, but he was an outcast of his brothers the same way as this. His dad found favor with Joseph and made him that coat of many colors. And he told his brothers about the dream. And uh, his brothers got offensive by it. said, we're not going to bow down to you. And they sold him. They put him in a pit. They were going to kill him, remember? And then they sold him into slavery. And then he goes uh, from that slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. He finds favor with Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife lies about him. And he's put in prison. And in one day, he goes from a prison to the palace. How God changed that circumstance around. And now a famine's in the land, a great drought and famine's all in the land. His brothers come seeking food and seeking shelter and all those things, wanting to find sustenance. They didn't understand that the one that was going to have to do this, you know what could have happened in Joseph's life? He could have used his past circumstances for revenge. He could have used his past circumstances to say, hey, I'm going to get them now. He could have used those past circumstances to make him a bitter, miserable person. But he still had love. He still had compassion on his brothers in that situation. Jephthah was the same. I thought about King David, and a lot of us, when we think of King David, we think of, wow, he became king of the nation of Israel. But I want you to think about right when he was anointed to be king. Remember when Samuel came to the house of Jesse? 
And he said, you have all your sons, let your sons come before you. All his sons come through, and guess who they forgot about? The little boy out there watching the sheep. You know what that shows me? That David was one that was just out there doing this. David probably wasn't one of the favorites. Eliab comes through, and man, surely this must be the one, God. Look not on the, the height of his stature. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. All these guys come through, and now David, the lowly little guy out there in the field, really not much compared to his brothers, but God anoints him king. Why? Why? Because of who he was on the inside. Because of his heart. If you study the life of David, even in Psalm 27, he writes this, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Listen, there's times that we felt forsaken. There's times in our life where we felt like an outcast. There's times in our life where we felt, there's no way, God, that you're going to be able to use me because of my circumstance. God must hate me. And Jephthah could have said, and nobody probably physically would have blamed him if he'd have got upset and mad at his family because they cast him out. You know what? It wasn't his fault that he was born the way he was. But you know what? Because of that, he had to reap the consequences of his parents actions and listen parents that's something for us to understand that we got to watch how we live and watch what we do why because our young people are going to reap what we sow and we have to be careful about all those things and as i was thinking about his life and all these things that happened we know he god used this in his life and was able to use it for god's glory God used a, a guy who was, his mother was a, a harlot and he came, uh, as, he was an illegitimate child, but yet God used him and raised him up to judge the nation of Israel and bring them out against their enemies. How could God do something like that? How could God use just a lowly little shepherd boy to rule the nation of Israel? How could God do all of those things? Because God is one that works in unlikely circumstances so that no one gets credit but God. No one gets credit but God. Listen, as Christians, we know that God is the master architect of our life. He's that great master builder. And in that knowledge, there's freedom. If you understand that God's the great master builder, don't worry about where you, were, where you came from. God intended you to come from there. That's why you came from there. I've had kids ask me when I was a youth pastor for a long time, why did I have to be born in the family I was born in? Why did I have to be put in this situation? And you know what? I looked at him, Brother Ron. I said, because I wasn't strong enough to be put in that situation. God knew I couldn't have dealt with that. God knows exactly what you're going through. He's that great master builder, and he made you the way you are, and he put you where you are on purpose. God didn't make any mistakes. Listen, God needs to be in complete control of our lives. And he is from the time of our birth. You say, what do you mean? Is he brought you into that family for a purpose. And Jephthah was born into that family for a reason. Because God was going to use this outcast to become the commander of the, that, that tribe of Gilead. God used Jephthah's life to show us that he delights in using unusable things and makes them usable. And I get encouraged when I read through the book of Judges because I see people that nobody else would want that God says, I'll take them. I'll take them. And I'm standing up here today as testimony as I'm somebody that nobody would want. You say, why is that? Because I was a sinner. 
And in my sin, I deserve hell. But you know what God says? God says, I'll take them just as they are. I'll take them just as they are and make them into what I want them to be. And God used the circumstance in Jephthah's life to help him along the way. God, his forgiveness and his grace, because of that, we don't have to be a prisoner to our past. But there's a lot of people that are prisoner to their past. You know why? Because Satan keeps bringing it up. Let me, let me help you with something. When Satan brings up your past, if you've asked God to forgive you of it and all those things, you know what you need to do? You need to take Satan to that altar where you gave it to God. Whether that altar was just in your heart or where that altar was down here or whether that altar was in your house or whatever, you need to walk Satan there and say, listen, right here's where I gave it to God and he forgave me of it and it's his. I don't have it anymore. God took it. Remind him of that. The Bible says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know what? We have to remind Satan that he's in a losing battle. He's going to lose the war. Our commander is the one that's going to destroy him, uh, the Lord Jesus. And I'm looking forward to that day. But we have to come to the place in our life where we realize that God uses the lowly and the weak and the foolish to get his work accomplished. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, look what the Bible says. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, all things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and, rege- and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Listen, if you're saved in this room today, you're a testimony that God uses unlikely things to do some work for him. You're a testimony of what God can do. And I look at that and I think God not only wants men who he can... Listen, God, God not only wants men who can trust him. God wants men he can trust. He wants people he can trust. You may look at the circumstance. You may look at the situation and say, well, why is God doing this? Why did God use Jephthah? Because he knew what, was, what Jephthah was made of. He knew what was on the inside of Jephthah. Though Jephthah was an outcast, he still chose to not let his circumstance hold him down. He was willing to follow the Lord through the circumstance. He was willing to follow God in whatever situation. We have a lot of people who say, man, I know God, God can trust him. What about us trusting God? Can God trust you? If God has a job that needs to be done, can God say, hey, I'm going to choose you because I know even through a hard time, even through a circumstance, you're not going to turn tail and run. You're going to keep doing what I want you to do no matter what the circumstance comes. That's the kind of people God's looking for. God's looking for people that aren't looking for the easy way. They're looking for following God's way no matter what happens. And that's what we need to do. There's a lot of people changing things because they want the easy way out. You know what? We need to work for the night is coming. And he says work. Why? Because there's going to come a day where no man can work. We got to work and press on for the Lord. We got a lot of job to do. But despite Jephthah's spiritual immaturity at the time, he was committed to God. And God's not looking for the most educated and God's not looking for the most talented. God's looking for the one that's available for him. 
I've heard people say, well, the best ability is dependability. And listen, I think you ought to be dependable, but I think the best ability is availability. Just being available. Isaiah said, Lord, here am I. He used me. Lord, I'm here. And Jephthah was that one that even though he was an outcast, God could still use him because he was committed to the Lord. He was committed to what God had for him. Jephthah learned to depend upon the Lord in his life. And he used the Lord and God's name more than any other person in the book of Judges. You say, why? Because he understood that where he came from wasn't going to help him. But where he was heading is what was going to help him. Going for the Lord. Following after God. He couldn't stand up and say, hey, I'm here to testify to you today. You ought to follow me because I'm from a broken house. That's not what he was saying. He stood up and he said this. You know why you can follow me is because I'm following the Lord. And listen, that's how we ought to follow. You understand the word follower or servant is found in the Bible 900 times. But leader is found seven. You say, why? Because you can't be a leader unless you're a good servant, a good follower. Who makes the best leaders? Oh, it's the people that just had things handed down to them. No, it's those that were good followers. Why? Because they watched what their leader did and they knew how to follow. They learned from their experiences in life. Jesus became a servant, didn't he? He humbled himself and became a servant. And in all the suffering and the unfair rejection in Jephthah's life, he didn't blame others or become discouraged. He didn't become hard-hearted and heartless. He learned to have joy in his trial. And I thought about this as I was reading through this whole passage of Scripture. I thought, wow, how could Jephthah... When the people came to him and said, hey, now we want you to lead us. How was he willing to go back and lead that group of people that rejected him and pushed him away and did all of that stuff? And then my mind went to the Lord and how an example, Jephthah is an example of what God is to us. He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And I thought, but then he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we were healed. And as I was reading this, Brother Eddie, God brought to mind is that God, who took upon himself the form of a servant, lowered himself, became an outcast and showed us our need for him to lead us. And I was thinking, whoa, Jephthah was there. And Jephthah was an outcast, but as the people's circumstance arose and they realized what was ahead of them, they knew what was in Jephthah. They understood what he was all about. They said, we got to find him. we got to find him. Rejection's no fun. It's painful. It's sorrowful. It's hateful. But it also can be constructive to our character. You say, How? Because we have to have total dependency on God. When people turn their back on you, you say, well, I can't believe all I did for them. Well, all that God did for us. And we turn our back on Him, don't we? Instead of looking at the bad parts of the circumstance, let's look at the circumstance and not allow our circumstance to keep us down. We need to conquer our circumstance. And how do we do that? As we allow God to guide us. We allow God to lead us. But oftentimes we allow rejection to turn into defeat rather than building character in our life. You know, it can be constructive for our character. It can be productive 
for our principles in life, and it can be instructive to give us insight in life in the way that we respond to things. Rejection is something that we don't understand and we don't like, but it can be productive. It can be productive. Jephthah learned from that. He learned that even though he was an outcast, God meant it for good. And that was Joseph's life. You meant it for evil. Remember he told his brothers that? But God meant it for good. Listen, there's times, even in our church, that we get discouraged. We feel rejected. We don't understand why things happen. But let's understand this. If we're following this book and we're following the Lord, God will mean it for good. God will mean it for good. We don't understand. We don't know God's timetable. We need to wait on the Lord. But God will mean it for good. Jephthah's rejection period was very important in his life. It was a crucial molding time in his life. It was a time for the potter to mold the clay. It was a time for the captain to train his leader. It was a time for Jephthah to do a soul search in his heart. A total dependency on the Lord. Because let me explain something. If you don't depend on the Lord when you feel alone, you're going to be miserable. And you're going to get defeated. The thing that we can find joy is this, that he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us all the time. Jephthah dwelt in the land of Tob. I want you to look back in verse number 3. And Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. I thought about, wow, he's leading vain men. So I looked up that word, brother guy, I did a word study on that word vain. When I think of vain, I think of prideful, somebody that's arrogant and all that. But as I studied that word, it meant this, men who were unemployed, bankrupt, or made empty or outcast in that passage. And I thought, wow, so wait a second, he drew the kind that he was, right? He was an outcast and he drew those people to him. And I thought to myself, I said, wow, isn't that a principle I can learn from today is this, that uh, when you have rebellious kids, you know who they hang around? rebellious kids listen i've gone to camp miss janice and there's been times that man we get off the bus and in a matter of 10 minutes the rebellious kids in our group were the rebellious kids from a a group 30 hours away that they didn't even know before we got to camp but they're hanging around with each other and you say why because birds of a feather flock together right well here jephthah this outcast now has all these bankrupt people these outcasts themselves following him And God's using him to teach him in his immaturity how to lead this group of people because God knew he was molding him to be a better leader later on. And he had these people in his life, these unemployed, bankrupt, empty outcasts. And I thought about how God is using Jephthah in all this and now what he becomes in all of this and when David was that outcast hiding from King Saul and you know who he had those those mighty men of valor that you read about and David you know who they were they were the outcast of the group those guys that were hiding in the cave of Adullam with David and all those people they weren't the ones that were uh the soldiers that Saul wanted they were the outcast on the side why did God let him uh rule those people and try to lead those people because God was molding David to be the leader God wanted him to be. And in this situation, Jephthah may have looked at his circumstance and thought, wow, why am I being an outcast? Why am I not doing this? But God was molding him and teaching him to be what he wanted him to be. And he learned how to conquer his circumstance by following the Lord. I was doing another word study, and I 
looked up Jephthah's name. And Jephthah meant this, God opens. God opens. And you know what I thought about in that when I read that passage of scripture he learned to trust God to open his way and clear the path in his life though they might have been difficult he had to wait on God to open the doors you know one some of the best advice I was ever given was this he said when God opens a door walk through it but don't ever kick a door open don't ever kick a door open why because when you kick a door open you're trying to get ahead of God and you may not be ready for what's on the other side of that door and oftentimes we get in this situation, well, why won't God let me do this? And we all want to go to that next level. Why won't God get me here? Why don't you just learn to be in the circumstance that you're in and understand the circumstance that God's got you in is a molding process. And if you'll just be patient and wait on the Lord, God's going to open those doors for you. If you'll just be patient and wait on God, he'll, he'll, he'll guide you through those difficulties in your life and those trials in your life. And Jephthah's brothers, look at verse 5. And verse number 6 says, And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, that the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. You know what I think they saw, Brother Ron, in Jephthah? They said he was making the best of his circumstance. They saw the leadership qualities he had, even though he wasn't groveling having the poochy lip disease i was talking to miss vivian before church today and she talked about that poochy lip and how you need to get a wheelbarrow to carry that thing around because you let it droop so much you know all this kind of stuff listen we have we have to understand that god uses our circumstances to mold us he used our circumstances to mold us tob was 80 miles from gilead where they were at they went 80 miles to search out jephthah to find him and they find him and they come to him and they're they needed his help they send this delegation 80 miles to ask him to take charge and lead them and in this change of events he was commanded to leave and now they're asking him to lead you think about he was he was commanded get out of here we don't want you to be part now he's asked to come back and lead what a change of events what a change of events in his life he was asked to, asked to exit by his brothers, and now he's asked to excel by his countrymen. What a change of events. How does something like that take place? By following God. Jephthah didn't apply for this job. He didn't send out resumes saying, hey, I'm the one that you need to look for. He wasn't boasting in his own abilities or saying, hey, look at my leadership qualities. He wasn't going through all of that. He didn't negotiate for the position. He waited for God to open the door. And when God opened the door, Jephthah followed through. Jephthah went through. Listen, when God opens the door in our life, we need to walk through that door. Don't sit there and question it. If God opens that door, you walk through that door. You say, well, I don't know what's on the other side. That's where faith comes in. Have faith in God. Step through that door. You say, well, how do I know if it's a door God wants me to go through well that's why you get in your bible that's why you pray that's why you get godly counsel and a multitude of counselors their safety that's why you do things like that why because when god satan can disguise things and make you think it's god opening the door but listen god will make it crystal clear to you oftentimes we say well how do i know that if this is god's will for my life let me give you a hint on knowing the will of god for your life if you'll do the stated will of god you'll know 
the unstated will of God when it's time. You say, what do you mean? When you obey what God tells you to do in his word, without question, it's black and white. You obey what God tells you to do. And you get into God's word, you study, you follow God, he will open the door and he'll let you know that it's him opening that door. He'll reveal to you his will that's hidden from you when you'll just get in and do his stated will. You say, what's that entail? Reading your Bible, praying, being a soul winner, tithing, doing what God commands, living holy, righteously, godly in this present world. You say, that's all in the Bible? Yes, it is. Get in the Bible. That's God's stated will for our life. It's what God wants us to do. Listen, it's God's job to open the door of opportunity. If a person has, has an available heart, you'll find plenty to do for the Lord. See, the problem is we only open certain doors or have certain availabilities. God, well, you know, this part of my, my uh, credentials are or what I'm looking for, my expectations in service, God, is I need to make sure that I'm in charge. Or God, I need to make sure that uh, if I'm doing this, that it's not too difficult. You know, I, I don't want to work too hard. God, if I get on a bus route and I, I do bus kids, they're loud. And they might throw trash around. And there might be noises. And you know what? What if I have to go in the bathroom, God, and, and plunge a toilet? Or if I have to do... That's just not my area, God. I don't do that. We try to negotiate with God and say, God, I'll serve you in this. God's looking for availability. And if you're available to God, he'll give you plenty of opportunity to serve. He'll give you plenty. There's plenty of areas to serve the Lord. The reason we don't do it is because we're waiting for God to open this one specific thing. And it seems like God will never do it. You know why? Because you won't do those things. He says if you'll be faithful in the little things, he'll make you ruler over many things. God's looking for somebody that's going to do the little things willingly, with a willing heart. And then God will open those doors for them later in life. Another lesson that we find is that my responsibility in my Christian life is to be involved where I am and do the will of God where he's placed me. Be where I am and do the will of God where he's placed me. Jephthah was in Tob. Is that where he, you think he wanted to be? No, he wanted to be with his family. He wanted to be where he, was, where he grew up. But you know what? He was in Tob and he understood that, listen, I'm here for a reason and I might as well make the best of it. I might as well serve the Lord while I'm here. And I got to thinking about, you know what? God's got you in this place for such a time as this. And you ought to serve God where you are and be firmly planted in it and say, God, I'm not moving unless you open a door and I'm not going to walk anywhere else other than where you have for me to go and I'm going to do what you want me to do and you just stay pressing on for God until he shows you differently. If you live for him faithfully in the present, He'll concern himself with your future. You say, what are you talking about? If you'll live for him in the present, God will concern himself about your future. God will make sure that your future is a big deal if you'll serve him in the present. But oftentimes, he's still trying to get us to serve where we are. That's why we don't ever experience what he has in the long run for us. Jephthah, look at, down in verse number 8. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitations of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring, bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver 
them before me, shall I be your head? Verse 10, And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy word. He's asked to be head. And this Hebrew word comes from the word rosh, which means chief. They asked him to be chief over their tribe. To come back and lead them. Here the outcast is now becoming the ruler. Listen, again, we're reminded that this, God's the author of reversals. You say, what do you mean? God changes things. God can reverse your circumstance just in a matter of moments. And again, I went back to Joseph. And I thought, here he is in the prison. And man, you know, even in the prison, Brother Nick, he tells somebody else about their dream trying to help them out. And they get back there and they forgot all about Joseph. And then the king has a dream. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, there's a guy down in prison that can tell you what your dream's all about. And that day he went from the prison to the palace. God changed his circumstance. I wonder if you think if God would have done that, if he would have been pouting and groveling in his circumstance. If he wouldn't have tried to conquer his own circumstance through a relationship with the Lord, he could have been mad that he was falsely accused, that he was put into a a pit by his brothers, he was sold into slavery, all these different things. But God was using it to save his brothers. God was using it for a better cause. And there's been times in people's lives that I've looked at and they've said, Preacher, I just don't understand why I've gone through what I've gone through. And my response is this, stay faithful to God and he'll mean it for good. He'll mean it for good. You may not understand it, the Apostle Paul, do you think he was doing bad for the Lord once he got saved? Or was he doing good for God? But he was stoned outside of Lystra, left for dead, and he was beaten and uh, put into prison and all of these things. And you would think, well, God, I'm serving you. Why am I going through all of this? Why am I going through this? Because God was shaping him into what he needed to be. And if we read through the Bible, I believe other than Jesus Christ himself, the Apostle Paul is the greatest Christian in all the Bible. Why? God used him to write most of the New Testament. Why? Because he remained faithful in a circumstance. Remember he prayed? About that thorn in his flesh? The Lord remove it and God said, no, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. You know what he was doing? He was molding him, shaping him into being the leader God wanted him to be. And then we read about Timothy, his preacher boy, and how God did that, and, and how Paul impacted nations and people and all that for God. Why? Because he stayed faithful in the circumstances. He stayed faithful through the circumstances. Daniel, when Babylon besieged his town, he went from Jerusalem to Babylon as a captive. Ended up getting thrown into a den of lions. But he went from the den of lions to leadership, just like that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. Again, they were taken from their homelands the same way, held into captivity. God was using all these things to make them into what God wanted them to be. But there was a key to it all, is they found faith in God. Our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. And I thought about, you know, there's been valleys that we go through. There's been heartaches that we don't understand. There's been things that we face that we just look at it and we can just get upset about it and we can pout about it and we can whine about the circumstance. Or we can conquer the circumstance by following the Lord. And just be faithful where God's planted us. Doing what God wants us to do. Pressing on for Him. And letting God open the doors as God sees fit. 
just as Jephthah did. They had a need. They asked for help. They realized they had made a mistake considering their treat, uh, concerning their treatment of Jephthah. And Jephthah says he'll lead them. He'll lead them. After the victory is carefully, after the victory is given by the Lord, Jephthah gives credit to God for the victory. And I was thinking about as I went through this passage, and I just started looking at life. And I thought about how we just need to keep doing. And when there's been times in our life where we haven't let God lead the way He ought to lead, we need to learn from those mistakes and put God back in that leadership where He needs to be. There's been times we've rejected him and cast him out and said, Lord, we don't need you anymore. And then that time of need comes and we go running to him and we say, God, I need you just like the nation of Israel did. But I'm glad that God's willing, if we come with the right heart and a repentant spirit, that God's willing to lead us once again. And then they go to war and all these things. But I want you to notice something about Jephthah's leadership. Look at verse 14. Now he's talking to the king. Of Ammon. Here, this leader, this outcast, this lowly guy who, in his immaturity, was learning how to lead bankrupt outcasts. Okay, now he's in Gilead and he's over the tribe here and he's leading the nation of Israel. And starting in verse 14, all the way down through verse number 27, I'm not going to get into all the verses. We read some of them. But what he's doing is he's rebuking the king at Ammon and he's given him the word of the Lord and he's given him the knowledge that he has about it. Remember the king told him, he said, well, you guys took our land. You came in and took our land. That's why we're making war with you. But this section in this passage reveals that Jephthah knew the scriptures and he knew the history of Israel. He knew all that was going on. He wasn't uh, just some hothead looking for a fight. He wasn't coming to war just saying, yeah, I want to fight everybody. No, he was, uh, he was trying to avoid it however he could, but he stood firmly on the fact of God's word and what God had promised the nation of Israel. He wasn't turning from a fight. He's willing to fight for what God had said. And God gave the land to the nation of Israel. God's word given by the Holy Ghost in the Bible is something that you and I ought not to be afraid to stand on. It's something that you and I ought not to be afraid to stand up even if there's going to become a fight over it. You say, why is that? Now here's this king. This king said, you all stole our land. And he goes back through the history from uh, verse 14 through verse 27 of how people made war against God. It wasn't Israel that just came in there to make war against them. They They were enemies of God. And they came after God's people. And they came after, and they just fought for what God was trying to give them. And, and God blessed them and brought them through and gave them the land that they were in. And he explains all of this stuff. He goes through and uh, it, it helped me to remember that the things that God tells us are something we need to stand upon and stand firmly on. And he wasn't going to back down to this king even though uh, the king had power and even though the king had authority. He was going to stand up and fight for what he knew God had given him and the promises that God gave. And listen, I'm, I'm not one that's, I don't go around looking for fights. I don't go around trying to pick a fight with people. But I'll tell you this, I will fight for God's word. I will fight over it. Why? Because it's God's word. It's something that we ought to stand on. Something we ought to rejoice in. It's the foundation of our faith. 
where we get our beliefs from come from the Word of God. It's the principles of God's Word are to, for our purpose uh, to help us in life and where we're supposed to go. It's that cornerstone of all of our convictions that we get from God's Word. We need to understand it is the root of everything in our religion that we, that we stand upon is God's Word. And we ought to stand on it, not back down from it. And when society wants to change, we ought to keep just staying steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. He was arguing through all of this with this king and explaining some things. And he goes through and he tells him, Israel didn't steal your land. He said, God gave us the land. You guys attacked us. We didn't do that. The Lord gave it to us. And he's going through with all this great argument. Why? Because he was a leader that was standing on the promises of God. And listen, let me explain something to you. You know the kind of leaders you need to follow are ones that are following God. Ones that are following God. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have the best uh, resume. They don't have to have the most talent. They have to have a willing heart. A willing heart. Just somebody willing to follow God despite the circumstance. Somebody willing to follow the Lord no matter what what happens and you know what as we stand on the word of god and we give god's word out the same thing's going to happen in our life that happens to jephthah verse 28 i want you to look at it Howbeit the king and the children of ammon hearken not to the words of jephthah which he sent him and i thought about those words that i just read in that verse and i thought you know the king wouldn't listen to reason he wouldn't listen to the words that Jephthah was talking to him about. And as we fight for God and we stand on this word and we give the truth of God's word, there's going to be people that aren't going to listen. There's going to be people that won't listen to reason. You know why? Because they're blinded by Satan, the God of this world. They've been blinded by, by what the devil's trying to They've been fed lies and they believe it. They don't understand the scriptures because they're either lost or they're not a student of God's word and they don't get into it and they don't know God's word. So it kind of baffles their mind on how we could stand on what we stand on. How could you ever, you know, stand on righteousness and holiness? How could you ever uh, preach that this is sin? And that, why, why could you? Because they don't understand it. They don't understand the word of God. They're belligerent in their sin, just like that. They love their sin. Listen, the world loves their sin. That's why they get angry about it when we preach against it. They love their sin. And it's not just the world, but even God's people love their sin. That's why they get upset with the preacher when he preaches about sin. They get upset about it when we call out sin and we call out ungodliness and unrighteousness. And we say, hey, it's wrong for you to do these things that the world are doing and all this. Well, preacher, who do you think you are? You shouldn't judge me. Why? The Bible judges you. The Bible judges you. When somebody says, don't judge me, what they're saying is I'm guilty. That's what they're saying. You don't have to wonder if they're guilty or not. They say, don't judge me. Whoa, hold on a second. That's conviction. When the Holy Spirit of God pricks your heart about something in God's Word that you're doing that's against God's Word, that's conviction. And when you say, don't judge me, you know, you shouldn't do this, you're resisting the Holy Spirit of God and you're not letting God use what He's trying to use, this circumstance in your life, to make you into what God wants you to be. Listen, just submit to Him. Submit to Him. They didn't receive it. He tried to explain it all to him and what God's promise was and all this stuff. He tried to explain all of these things and 
They just wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. They refused it. They were un, unteachable. He wouldn't take the word of God. All he had in his mind was, I want that land. I want that possession. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah after he takes his stand on the word of God. And in verse 29, you see that. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. But then Jephthah makes a mistake. You say, what is the mistake that Jephthah makes? Is he vows this vow very rashly to God. I believe he had some good intentions. But look what he says. Then Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whosoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Listen, he makes a vow to God. Now, do, do I think he had good intentions? Yes, I do. I think he had really good intentions. But you know what? God was already working for him. And now he's trying to make negotiation with God to make sure God's going to work for him. God just put him in that position. God's been leading him every step of the way. And now he's saying, God, well, if you'll lead us, if you'll deliver us, then, then I'll do this. You ever made a deal with God before? You ever vowed a vow to God? Listen, this vow comes back to bite Jephthah. Look what happens. He said, I'll offer it to you. I'll give it to you. And when he's going through this, said, Then it shall be whosoever cometh forth of the doors of my house, verse 31, to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from uh, Aror even unto the uh, even to the come uh, to to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards. And there was a, with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpah, unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him, with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. And thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Can you imagine? Now Jephthah's faced with a situation, isn't he? I've heard people argue that, listen, I think God would have been okay if he wouldn't have offered his daughter as a sacrifice. Do I think he should kill his daughter? I wouldn't want to. But you know what? He vowed this vow very rashly to God. And now God's saying, well, you're going to stand up to it. You're going to do it. He said, "Whatever, whoever comes out to meet me, whatever it is that I see first come out of my house, that's what I'm going to offer to you. And now he comes back home and his daughter, his only daughter, comes out and he said I've opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back and I thought about my goodness how in the world could he do this 
Here's this man of victory. He had faith in his circumstance. If you read through the book of Hebrews, he's in that hall of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 32. His victory demonstrates that the circumstances of the birth of his family didn't handicap him. They made him a person of faith who was totally following the Lord. But now he made a vow to God. And the lesson, I believe this lesson is trying to teach us this. When you tell God you're going to do something, you better do it. You better do it. And now he ends up, if you read the story, he does what he told God. And he sacrifices his daughter. And listen, the Bible tells us it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow unto God not to keep it. I wonder how many of you have ever said, God, you can have me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm yours. Guess what you did? You made a vow to God. I wonder how many of us have been living outside of the blessings of God because we're not willing to keep our vows to Him. We've told God, God, that I'm going to do all I can for you. But we leave out of here. We go out into our home and we do whatever we want to do and act like God's just going to forget about it. Listen, Jephthah was a man of his word. None of us are beyond the capacity to be used of God no matter our circumstances. But listen, when you tell God you're going to do something, you better do it. You better do it. Jephthah believed that a man was only as good as his word. He believed that if he told God he was going to do something, he better do it. Because otherwise he would be living outside the blessings of God. You say, how is that? I'm sure God would have understood. Listen, he told God. God, whatever comes out, I'll offer it as a sacrifice to you. Listen, have you ever told the Lord, God, my kids belong to you? So let me ask you this. What are you going to do when they come to you and say, hey, God wants me to go to the mission field? You're going to let them do what God told them to do? You can give them to God? There's a lot of parents I know that have hindered young people from serving the Lord the way God's intended for them to serve because they're not willing just to let go and let God have them, even though they gave them to God when they were little. Even though they dedicated them back to God when they were young, they say, oh, I don't want you to do that, God. I want you to take them to the mission field because I'm going to miss them. Listen, if they don't go, imagine those people that died in Nineveh the time that Jonah ran from God. In our society, every second, people are dying all across this world. As we've been sitting in here tonight, there's been people who've breathe their last breath here on this earth people overseas people in our jerusalem here all these different places people are dying and they're dying without god you ever made a vow to god this is what probably hit me more than any of this was that listen when you tell god you're going to do something you better do it that's how you conquer your circumstance as you say god god i'm going to be faithful really God's going to put you to the test. God's going to put you to the test. Jephthah was put to the test, but he was found faithful, and God exalted him. God lifted him up. How dependable are you on your statements? If you tell God you're going to do something, do you do it? If you tell God you're going to give something, will you give it? If you tell God that all that you have is his, is it really? Is it really? And I had to do some soul searching in and of myself. Because here's the thing. God doesn't want promises for the future. God wants obedience for today.
God doesn't want your promises for the future. God wants your obedience today. Because if he has your obedience every day, he's going to have your promises for the future. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Just obey God every day. Choose to obey God every day. And he will dictate your future. He will dictate the outcome of it. I think oftentimes we mistake the will of God for the wants of our heart. And we try to live in the wants of our heart rather than in the will of God. And you know what God's just looking for? He's looking for our obedience. He's looking for us to obey. Remember when he told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites? He told him to annihilate them. Everything they have. Their oxen, their sheep, their camels, their donkeys, everything, get rid of it. But they spared Agag, the king, and all these other things, and they brought them back. And the preacher says to him, he says, for to obey is better than sacrifice. For to obey is better than sacrifice. We're good at making God's promise, making God promises, but let me ask you this. Are you good at obedience? Are you good at obedience? You know why God could let Jephthah lead? Because he was obedient. Even in his circumstance that wasn't the best, he was obedient. And he conquered his circumstance. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter number 5. What is it's going to overcome our circumstance? Let me show you. 1 John 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. How can you overcome sin? Faith in God, trusting in Him, being obedient, just obeying what God says to do. Faith is total relinquishing of your direction, letting go of the reins of your life and just stepping out and following God. That's what faith is all about. That's where you get victory. That's why Jephthah could have victory. It's because he just followed God. He followed the Lord. But when he made a vow to God, he kept his word. I wonder, are you obeying God? Are you obeying him? There were some things I told God I would do with my life. And there was times I didn't do it. And I'm glad for God's forgiveness, but I can't change that disobedience. You know what? You can't change the past, but you can make a difference in the future. And how do you make a difference in the future? You choose to obey today. You choose to obey today. With our heads bowed and eyes